0: Without further ado, uh, let's welcome Pastor Wayne Cheney. Good morning, Zoe family. It is such a pleasure to be with you today. My name is Wayne Cheney. Junior And I pastor Antioch Church in the city of Long Beach. I am a friend of your bishop and your pastor. Uh, and when I tell you, it is an honor to know them, to serve in the kingdom with them. Uh, they're both men of integrity, wisdom, innovation. And I'm honored to stand in the place that so many uh, great men and women of God have stood and have brought about transformation. So thank you for this invitation Let's take a moment to pray. Father, I give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise for this time you've given us to share together. Give us in-depth insight into your word, in-depth insight into your ways that we'll know how we are to proceed. We'll give you glory for it. We'll give you honor. We'll give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, from what I understand, there's a theme a thread of commonality that's run through every message that has been preached this month with the idea that in the midst of these interesting, to say the least, times, the goal is not to get back to business as usual, but rather to get back to God. God. I want to approach this, if you'll give me a little time, if you're patient with me, we'll get to the heart of that theme, but I want to approach it from a different vantage point. If you meet me in Deuteronomy, the 34th chapter, beginning at the first verse, you'll find these words. Now Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho, and the Lord showed him All the land of Gilead, as far as Dan, and all of Naphtali, and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, and all the land of Judah, as far as the Western Sea, and the Negev, and the plain in the valley of Jericho, and the city of the palm trees, as far as Zor. Then the Lord said to him, this is the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. i have let you see it, but you'll not go over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he was buried in the valley of the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. But no man knows his burial place to this day. Although Moses was 120 years old when he died, his eyes were not dim nor his vigor abated. I want to use as a topic for this talk divine limitation. Divine limitations. Aviva Zornberg in her work Bewilderment Gives commentary on the children of Israel as they were in the wilderness. They were delivered from their captor. Had not made it yet to the promised land and they were in the wilderness. And she says of them and of the place where they cried out to go back to Egypt. She said, long before there was a death of their bodies in the wilderness. There was first the death of their imagination. Interestingly, the truths of Israel in their present predicament as it relates to this commentary would suggest that somehow even the torment of the past, because it was more familiar, eclipsed prophetic possibilities in their lives because of their current challenge. As I thought about that, I realized that we are often limited from our ultimate place because like them, long before our physical bodies die, long before our institutions die, long before our movements die, there is first the death of our imagination. One of my greatest nightmares is to be alive but irrelevant. That should scare you, that should haunt you, to be alive with breath in your body, to have lost vision to have lost a sense of what God has in store ahead of you. Not only does it scare me to live an existence where there is irrelevance but also being able here like Moses to see divine possibilities, I'll never walk into what cause me to tremble. Moses here is at a place where God takes him up to an elevated place, allows him to look into the promised land that he'd been swearing to the foref- his forefathers and the children of Israel they would inherit. Only to allow him to see the place that he would never walk into. Now, I don't have time to labor through this, but if I did, I would talk to you just a minute about how Moses got here. If you remember, God told Moses, as the people cried out once again for water in the wilderness, they complained. And with no 7-Eleven in the wilderness, no A.M.P.M., God miraculously used Moses the first time to strike the rock and water poured out. The second time he tells Moses, Moses, I want you to speak to the rock and water will come out. Moses decides, as opposed to listening to God, he's going to reach into his bag of tricks and he strikes the rock once again. Water comes out, he gets results. But God says, at that moment, you've broken faith with me. You're no longer listening, heeding my voice, following my plan. But he says, since you decide to do it your way, by reaching into your bag of tricks, as opposed to looking forward to future possibilities, he says, you will, you will be limited. I'll allow you to see it. you have the strength and the vigor right before your death of a young man, but you will not walk into the place you could have gone to as it relates to your destiny and the prophetic possibilities. Moses there, with all of this strength and vision, died in the wilderness. Now, I know that we see the God of possibilities. We see the miracles that are performed in this book. But you know what I see when I look at this Exodus journey and Moses' journey? I don't only see breakthrough, I don't only see miracles and grand achievements wrought and victories wrought by the hand of God, but I see a book and a character of limitation. Limitations. What do I mean by limitations? Limitations. If you remember when God found Moses and commissioned him to go to Pharaoh to declare you or to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Moses argued with God a bit. In fact, he asked for Aaron to come along so that he could be his mouthpiece because he told God, God, I can't speak. Um, My speech is afflicted. Limitations. Not only was there a limitation there, but there was limitation at times in his leadership where he tried to take it all on his shoulder to accomplish the will of God as an individual. He wanted to lead the entire nation of Israel by the grace that he carried. And his father-in-law, Jethro, said, listen, Moses, you're going to kill yourself if you continue to lead like this. He said, you're a man of limitations. Even with your anointed self, you have limitations. And if you don't recognize your limitations, you're going to kill yourself. You're going to kill this movement. People that don't understand the limitations end up killing their institutions. They end up killing businesses because they don't recognize limitations. Jethro said, you're a man of limitations. You need to choose capable people to help share this load with you. Not only was there a limitation there, if you remember as Joshua was fighting down on the valley floor leading the people of Israel, Moses went up to an elevated place and began to intercede on behalf of the people. He had a rod in his hand and as long as he kept the rod up, The people in the valley, the Israelites, had the victory over their enemy. But when the rod that he was lifting up began to go down, listen, the people in the valley slowly but surely began to lose. So their victory on the valley floor came or went. In relation to Moses' ability to keep his arms lifted, Aaron and Ur saw this and they came alongside him and lifted up his hands. I wish I had time to do this. This is more of a pastoral appreciation message, but notice they lifted up his hands Aaron representing the priesthood. If you lift the leader's hands by interceding for them. But Ur, er, the name Ur er meant liberty. You also lift a leader's arms by not only praying and interceding for them. But giving them liberty, room to function the way that God's called them to function. But that's another message. Here's what I want you to note. Interestingly, when they lifted his arms, the people got the victory. When his arms dropped, the people began to lose. Now, here's what would have frustrated me about God. Is that God does a supernatural victory in the battle that he refuses to do in the vessel who is Moses. Moses. Now, God is supernaturally, when he lifts up his rod, causing the Israelites to have supernatural victory in the battle. And while they're having supernatural victory in the battle, the same God that is giving them divine, miraculous victory will not give divine strength to the one that's holding up his rod, but requires others to come and hold his arm up to partner with God to accomplish victories. What happens when God does a victory around you or gives you a miracle that is around you but doesn't do it in you or for you. While he gave victory through Moses he also allowed him to experience in this place limitation because the narrative of Moses is not only one of victory but is one of limitation. And here at Pisgah God says listen Moses I'm going to let you see it but you're not going to go in. I'm, I'm, I'm going to limit you. Now, I know this bothers us a bit because we're used to the God that opens up doors. We're used to the God that makes a way. We're used to the God that gives us double for our trouble. But have you ever thought about the God that creates limitation? Divine limitation. God-induced limitations are when you're close enough to touch it, but you can't seem to grasp it. I want to talk to some people who... God is attempting to take into a new place, uh, a new reality. God is desiring to open up a sense of the possibilities. And he wants you not only to see those possibilities, but to actually walk in the stuff you've been dreaming about. Yet, you're able to see further than you can go. Right before you can grab it, it's almost as if it turns to dust in your hand. Could it be that there's a divine limitation in play? Oh, you you do know the devil is not the only one that hinders, but God himself actually hinders. But whenever God prevents, limits, or hinders, it's always to bring our attention to something. It is always to cause our steps to be reordered. It is often to reposition the field. When God hinders, it is never going backwards. But when God hinders, it's always a setup to go forward let me say it again when God hinders it is never to limit you ultimately but when God hinders is to allow you to go forward I have a professor L. Greg Jones who is the dean of Duke Divinity School and he says this he says that Americans lead and often religious leaders lead like the sport we love religious leaders are Americans in general sense we love football And what he says of football and the parallel to our own leadership is, in football, when you make incremental progress toward the ultimate goal, which is the touchdown, the fans go crazy. The team is excited with every step you make as long as it's forward progress to the ultimate goal, which is the touchdown. He says, if you go backwards or you lose ground, there's a challenge with that. If you lose ground, the people that were cheering now begin to boo. When you lose ground, the team that was once uh, lit is now depressed when you lose ground in football. But he said, leadership in journeying with God, I say, is not like football, but it's more like soccer. He says, in soccer, when you're making forward progress, but there is opposition ahead of you that is pert- that is preventing greater progress. You don't push past them in attempt to force your way through areas that are not passable. In soccer, they do something completely paradoxical. In soccer, they turn around and kick the ball backwards. In soccer, when you kick the ball backwards, it is not losing ground but in soccer, when you kick the ball backwards, it is called reframing the field. It's allowing you to reset the plays so that You can get around the opposition that was before you when you were closer to it. Now, please understand whenever God hinders, whenever God blocks, whenever God stops progress it is never to cause you to lose but it's always to send us backwards on the surface it looks like we're losing ground on the surface it looks like we're no longer making forward progress but whenever God kicks the ball backwards or limits your progress forward it is always to allow you to reframe the field Whenever there is a hindrance that comes from God, always ask, Lord, is there another play that you want us to run? Lord, is there another direction that you want us to employ? Lord, is there something, is there an opening I didn't see because I was too close to it? God often will create what I call divine limitations to allow for us to begin to run plays we never would have run unless the field was stacked against us. Now, prophetically, I believe with all my heart, Well, there's so much I could share about the moments, the season, the times that we are in. Listen to me, people of God. I want you to see this not as a crisis anymore. Get up, dust yourself off, and begin to ask from God, where are the possibilities? God, what are you doing? What new direction are you opening up? What doors are open I did not see earlier? God, how are you moving? And I tell you this, God is reframing the field and the plays may not look like they did in years past. But I want you to understand it is still the hand of God. Can I tell you what will cause God to hinder? What will cause God to stop forward progress for a while to allow us to regroup and to reframe the field? Stop crying for things to go back to what they were and start asking God what are you doing I know that your kingdom is still advancing I know that you're still giving revelation I know that there's still doors you're opening it may look different but I'm telling you it's God here are three things that cause God to create what I call divine limitation number one when there is too much independence or self-sufficiency from him. Let me say it again. When I decide, after a long and lengthy journey, though God began the journey and started me on my path, uh, now that things are not as smooth <clears throat> I'm going to take leadership. I'm going to take my destiny into my own hands. I know philosophically we don't know better than God. We don't think we have a better way. But the reality is we often will take our destiny into our own hands when things get difficult. Here we found Moses striking the rock after God told him to speak to the rock because he struck the rock before and now God is attempting to take him into a new place and he wants to bring his old bag of tricks. God, I know how to do this because I've done it this way so many times. I hear what you're saying, but listen, I got this. Can I tell you the statement right before devastation is generally, there's two. No, Number one is I'm doing me. Uh, number two is I got this. God will create divine limitation when there is too much self-sufficiency, when there is too much independence from God, when we start to rely on our resource, when we start to rely on our connections, when we start to rely on our finance, when we start to rely on friendships that have been there over the years, and we lose our dependency on God, God will prevent often future progress, but God maximizes everything He does. The Bible says, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself." God's goal is to pull us both vertically and horizontally. He wants to pull us toward Himself and to pull us toward one another. But here is what happens. If we got everything that we needed from our intimate proximity with God directly, we would rarely connect with others on the horizontal plane. And if we got what we needed from people on the horizontal plane, we would rarely connect with God on the vertical plane. So God's smart. He he understands that he's got to connect our blessing to obedience. He's got to connect... The, the lavishing of his blessing to his ultimate will, which is to draw us toward himself and toward one another. But here's what he knows. If he gives us everything we need in our connection with him, we'll connect with him and disregard human relationships. But if he gave us everything we needed on the human plane, we would continue to connect. For resource and for fulfillment on the human plane and never go to him. So what he does is when he wants to draw us to himself. He'll lock out the answers from everyone else. He'll lock out the resource from everyone else and require us to go directly to him to get what we stand in need of. When God wants you to, to draw you to him in a more intimate manner, he will not give your prayer partner the answer. He will not let the message on Sunday be just for you, but he will require you to go commune with him to receive what it is you stand in need of. Yet when God wants to draw you to other people, He won't lock the answer in himself, but he'll put the blessing... The answer, the resource, the need in someone else that you'll have to connect to for your prayer to be realized. Did you catch that? So, when God wants to connect you with other people, He will not give you the answer as you seek Him yourself, but He will cause you. He'll create divine limitation. You will not receive the revelation, you will not receive the answer, you will not receive the resource because it's connected to your partnership with someone on this earthly plane. This is how he ensures that we love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourself. There are certain things, baby, God's not going to give you in your prayer time with him by yourself. Or brother, he's not going to give it to you. In your connection with him because you're connecting with him but you're disregarding the voice of your spouse. So he'll put the answer in your spouse that you have an attitude with to ensure that you don't bypass them to get to him because your connection with him is good but your connection with your spouse is a mess. So he'll put the answer in your spouse that you've been praying for so that you have to connect with them, have that relationship healed to get what he has for you so that you'll love him and love them a little bit better. Yeah, I love it when he does that, when people want to jump around. Are you with me at times? Even spiritual leadership. And God says, listen, I'm cool. I love you. We can connect. But there's some answers I'm going to put in your leaders that I'm not going to give you directly. Because I want you to honor me, but also to honor them. Yeah, there's some things in the house, leaders, that, that people carry that God will deliver through their hands that he will not deliver no matter how you've been away on the mountaintop with him because you're divinely connected and he creates limitations until you get to the place that he's ordained for you to be but all that's another message Can I give you the reason we're here today? God also creates divine limitation. He blocks things up. He hinders. He lets you see beyond where you're able to go for a third reason. It will be a matter of time before you get stuck at a threshold of a new place. If, follow me, you don't learn to retool You don't learn to evolve. Now listen to me. I do not want us to get stuck in this wilderness called 2020. But if you want to get through this the right way, please understand there is a divine limitation that has been set. And you will not cross a certain threshold of effectiveness as long as you're using old tools in a new place. As long as you're crying out for things that are behind you. As long as you sit where you are and are frustrated and uh, shake your fist to God, crying, Who moved my cheese? You're going to be stuck. Seeing further than you're able to go. Desiring more than you actually walk into. Can I tell you why God has brought us who have been walking with him to a standstill? Why the deck feels stacked against us. It is not to destroy us. It is not because our destiny Has come to an end and our time is almost up. No, God has kicked the ball backwards. And please understand, we're not losing ground, but He's reframing the field. This is when we need to look for new plays. This is when God begins to speak in unusual ways and unlocks blessing with our obedience. And in long jump, there's a similar concept. As I ran track for Long Beach Poly, I used to do the long jump, and you would run upright. You would get close to the board, and most people assume that the last step is the biggest step the step that launches you to where you're going but can I tell you the last step is not the biggest step it is the step before the last step it's called the penultimate step you would run upright until you almost were at the board the penultimate step is the step before the last step and the penultimate step would take you down so that you could plant yourself to pop up with your next step now the penultimate step takes you down but it's not to take you down to shorten your distance it is to take you down temporarily in preparation for the next step so that you spring up and go further than you thought you can go God sent me to Zoe this morning to declare that this is not your last step this is your penultimate step I know it looks like we're going down but it is not to kill us, it is a set up for our last move God's last move which is to take us further than we would have gone if we stayed in the same posture yeah, it's a set up it's a set up to take us further it's a set up to expand his kingdom it's a set up to get us back on our face, it is a set up to cause us to walk with the ark of the covenant and observe his wonders it is a set up Take us further than we thought we can go. But to go to new places, you have to be willing to retool. If you would, just just type in on the chat, retool, retool, retool. Because new places require new competencies. Let me say it again. New places require new competencies. If I had time, I'll talk about Joseph, how every place he went because of the favor of God on his life, he was elevated, but as he went to each one of those places, he employed a unique competency. I wish I could talk about Daniel. Most people assume that Daniel rose to prominence under one king, Nebuchadnezzar, but he actually served under three distinct leaders but was able to move and find favor. As he retooled, learning new leaders. In fact, before he ever had to learn the leaders, he had to learn the culture, the custom of the place that he was called to. New competencies, new opportunities. God is not putting a challenge before us, but he is reframing the field and giving us new opportunities to track with him if we're willing to go. Moses Got stuck he didn't read this divine limitation the right way Moses said I know how to do this I'm going to reach into my bag of tricks and do what you told me to do God this time last time did you catch that he said I'm going to reach into my bag of tricks and I'm going to do because it was you. You, you, you know, it was you, God. It was, it was, it was you that told me to strike rock, And I know the formula now. Now that you told me, I've got the formula. The formula is whenever you need water from a rock, you strike the rock and water comes out. It worked before. Um, my brothers and sisters, he didn't evolve. He didn't retool. He didn't change his, his, his engagement with God. The Bible says man does not live on bread alone but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. You know what God does in seasons like this? When we're not where we used to be and all the old plays don't work. The purpose of it is not to frustrate us. The purpose of it is to remind us of who the real source is, the real source of our power, the real source of our favor, the real source of our open doors. It's not your government. It's not the presidency of the United States. It is is not your local government. Do what you need to get involved there. But please understand, whoever gets elected, it is not what causes the favor to rest on your life. God is your source. It has never been your job, ultimately. It has never been your 401k. Ultimately, it has never been a good idea that you had. It is God who is the one who is sustaining you. Every now and then to draw our attention back to him as the source. What he does is he frustrates or changes the plays. I remember playing Madden. I haven't played video games in a while, but back in the day we used to play Matt and you would get on the line and you would see how the defense was lined up back to football and right there before the ball was hiked you would call an audible which is another play and when the quarterback calls for an audible it is not the running back or the receiver's job to fight with them and not adjust to the play that they've called listen to me god at times will call an audible because he has a schematic that you cannot see he has a view that you cannot see and from time to time he'll remind you that his thoughts are greater than your thoughts, his ways are greater than your ways, that you don't have this figured out in the way that he does it is by changing the game, by calling a new play. God will always shift the method eventually because human nature over time is to marry or to systematize the method and forget about the God who originally empowered it. As a church in America, we've forgotten about the God. We have the method, but often have forgotten about the God that empowered the growth and empowered the impact in people's lives. It's not our method. It's not just our system. It's God breathing on it with his divine breath. And at times, God will create limitation and frustrate the entire system to remind you that he's the one that must... Breathe on it. Can you remember to follow his voice? Not your method. Moses, as we wrap this thing up here, struck the rock. I know what you're saying. When he struck the rock, he still got results. Mm. The most dangerous place to be is... In a place where you get results in disobedience. Did you catch that? It's a dangerous place to be. When you get results in disobedience. Because for a while. You'll assume. That what you've always done. Is what you should always do. But while Moses got results. Temporary, temporary results. He missed his ultimate destiny. While he got the shiny stuff before the people, which was water coming out of the rock, he missed his ultimate destiny, which was walking in, leading the people into the promised land, new territory. New territory requires new competencies. That's why God wanted to make sure Moses was still the kind of leader who could lead into a new place. In order to see that Moses could lead in a new place, God wants to ensure that Moses could lay down his old method and take up God's new instruction. We have to go on a few. My question to you, if you don't want to get stuck, if you want to get beyond this limitation, the question is can you lay down the method that has been good? and effective for the new thing that God has because your ability to lay down what has been good to you for what God calls for will determine whether you're the kind of leader who will still be established whether you're the kind of innovator that could would still be established in the next place that God's moving us to. Wow. There's more than I can share. I know there's a theologian listening saying, wait a minute, pastor, make sure you work in Christ. That Christ was the rock. The first time he was to be stricken, wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. But he would not be beaten again the first time he was beaten so that now we can come and speak to the rock. I know the the parallel between Christ and this rock and it's glorious, which reveals that Moses, what he did had eternal implications, not temporary ones. We must remember when God calls for us to retool, to shift, to change, to pivot, It's always greater than we're able to behold with our eyes at the moment. I realize that that's part of the revelation. But can I give you the other side of the revelation? It's that God refused to take him any further when he married the method and no longer heeded the voice of the Lord. He said, Moses, I want you to speak to the rock. I want you to take what's been good. I want you to take what's effective. The Bible said there was a crowd of people that gathered around him. And he performed this in front of them. God says, with people watching, before you go into this new place, here's what I want to find. Will, after 40 years of journeying with me and seeing miracle after miracle and me faithfully feed you on a daily basis, is that enough To produce the faith at the end. That you didn't have at the beginning. To see if you can move into this new place. What do you mean? He says. With people watching. The first time the conversation was private at the beginning. But now with people watching. God tells him. Moses. I need you. To put your stick down. To put what's been good down. To put your method down. And trust me. I don't want you to strike the rock. I want you to speak to the rock. Moses looked and he couldn't do it. Probably because the people were watching and probably because of self-consciousness. Can I tell you the first manifestation of the fall after Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit? It wasn't that they covered themselves up because of their nakedness. It is their self-consciousness that caused them to cover themselves up. The first manifestation of the fall was self-consciousness. They took their eyes off God, off the will of God, off the work of God, and put their eyes on themselves. Can I tell you what kills every new movement God wants to birth through us? Because God is giving us a sense of divine possibilities. We look to ourselves, self-consciousness. And here Moses, in self-consciousness, says, I can't do this before the people. You told me to strike the rock or speak to the rock. I'm going to strike it again. Number one, because I know that works. Number two, because I'm nervous about retooling with people watching. What if I fail? What if it doesn't work? The way the past method worked. God said, I'm going to need you to trust me. And here's the other divine thread of revelation. He says, Moses, I need you to trust me. Why did he say not kick the rock? Why did he say not drop the stick and punch the rock? He said, no, Moses, I need you to drop the stick and speak to the rock. Because if you remember at the beginning when no one was there watching, God came to Moses and said, I need you to go to pharaoh and tell him to let my people go moses said i cannot speak i cannot speak i cannot speak god says after me being faithful for 40 years and moving through you i'm bringing you back to the place the place of insecurity for you the place of frailty for you and here's the question can you trust me in the area that you've disqualified yourself in. Can you trust me with the thing that you've doubted about? Can you trust that the same God that did so much with this mighty rod can do something with the frail parts? I know you feel you're too old, but can you trust me to do something new through you. I know you think your time is past, but can you trust me with that? I know you think your past will ca- catch up to you and if people really knew who you were and what you've done, but God says, Can you trust me with it? Because if you can put down what has been, And trust God with your insecurities. Trust God with your frailties. Trust God with your doubts. Trust God with your fears. Give it to him. He can do more with fresh faith and your frailties today than he's ever done with your past methods yesterday. I know you're feeling the weight of this like I am. But please understand, this is not to kill us. It's not to frustrate us. This is divinely, a divinely constructed limitation. I know it looks like we're going backwards. I know it looks like we're going down. But this is not your last step. It's the penultimate step. It is not your last play. God is reframing the field. And I believe if we can lift our eyes to him and get back to a place of dependency on the Lord, He'll take us further than we ever thought we could go. And so, Father, we give this year to you. We give our path, our future to you. We also give our frailties to you, believing that you can take it all. And as we retool and believe you in due ways you can bring us into new realities that you will be glorified even in times of challenge. Now help us where we're frail. Help us where we're weak. Help us where we're limited. But Lord, as we align ourselves to you, break every limitation. Break every doubt. Every fear. And cause this to be the reality not only of a faithful few but of your entire people because we don't live by bread alone by methods alone but we live by every word that comes from your mouth I hear the Lord saying lay down your wilderness walking stick because the next place you won't need it Moses, lay down your stick, lay down your method, where you're going. You're not wandering the wilderness anymore and don't need a wilderness walking stick. But you're going into a place of establishment. And so we give these things to you, God, and believe you're to cause us to prosper. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Amen. We love you.